Bibles this morning to Psalms 150, the 150th division. Thank you, Andy. And while you're turning there, I want to give you an invitation to tonight. Tonight from 5 to 6, we are having a corporate prayer meeting for this church. We're not praying for our family members, our businesses, our health. All those things are very important to the Lord, but we are praying for this church. And we're believing that God is going to send us what we need and a move of His Spirit. I put on Facebook, I asked, I said, would 50 of you join me? And we had like 52 or 54 that said, you can count on me. And that's before I come to you. And I didn't mention this on Facebook, but here was my idea. In Genesis, God had sentenced an entire city, two twin cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, to destruction. And Abraham said, would you spare them for 50 righteous people? And God said, yes. If he found 50 in a whole city. So I wondered... What would God do if we had 50 who are in right standing with him came and asked him for the same request? If he would spare people that didn't even acknowledge him as God, what would he do for people that called him by his name? Well, I'm not sure, but we're going to find out. So tonight, five to six, outside of the ones that have already responded, would it be too much to ask? I want 50 more to join me tonight. If you think you can make it from 5 to 6 tonight and you've not already responded, I just want to see your hand. All right, I think we'll have 100. 100 people standing before the Lord praying for Him to breathe on this church. I like those odds. Amen? Psalms 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in this, His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. Praise Him with a blast of the ram's horn. Praise Him with the lyre and the harp. Praise Him with tambourines and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals, with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praise to the Lord. Praise the Lord. I've heard this passage taught on when worship leaders were trying to get their church to an expression that they weren't desirous of giving, and and that's partially applicable. I've heard it preached to against one style of worship, saying if you don't do this each Sunday, then you don't love the Lord, and of course that's out of balance and wrong. And then you hear the people that says, I don't know what's up with all this noise. God's not deaf. Well, he ain't nervous either. What this passage brings out is there are many varied expressions of the believer. There are expectations of God. And one of his expectations and one of our expressions is praise. Verbal. Intentional. Expressive Words, deeds, and a glowing countenance that focuses on the person and the actions, the acts of God. Praise is emotional. I really want to tell you how great a game you played Sunday. That was really wonderful. 
the team's efforts are really good and we appreciate the effort. No, the coach, the leader says, what you did yesterday was incredible. Our offensive line did their jobs and it opened up lanes for our running backs, which opened up the passing game. And I'm giving you thanks for that very small thing you did on a Saturday. Praise has those components. And when God says through the prophets, praise the Lord, he's looking for expression, emotion, passion, not just in this house. When he hears you talking to other people about him, he wants it to be glorious. It doesn't have to be loud, but it ought to occasionally be that way. When he hears you talking to him, I know you, those of us that are parents, we lie, we lie. Great day, we lie. I love all my babies the same. They're all equal. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I know we die for all of them. And I know we'll provide for all of them. But there's that one, no matter what you do for them, is this it? Like, I'm going to take you out. That's what I'm going to do. Take you. Oh, this generation don't know what that is. That means you better make your will out. That's what that means. And there's that other one that runs back in the, when you give them something and they're, oh, thank you. Mama, you know how much. Thank you. Thank you. And they go in the room and start playing. They come right back out, jump up in daddy's recliner and go, you really love me, don't you, daddy? Why? You are just so good to me and sister. I love them the same. Yes, but you don't enjoy them the same. And I want God to enjoy me. I want God to know in this house when he looks on Sunday, we're not revving up a service. We're not working up a service. There's an expression. We came in here to thank him and bless him and make his praise glorious. All of us are praisers of God. Our praises are either abundant or measured. They're either willingly offered or forced. They are either joyous or expressionless. They're either consistent or scattered. They're either unashamed or timid. Our praises of God and our praises to God either energize us or deplete us. They increase us or diminish us. They're either a joy to us or a burden. We either like praising God or we don't. We either feel that God is lucky to get them or we are blessed to even have the opportunity to thank him. We are either more comfortable with those who withhold praise or with those who express praise. And I can already tell I'm nowhere going to get done with my sermon. I'm still in introduction, so we might have a part two of this series next week. So let me just take my time. Is that okay? In your Christian journey, you're going to have moments where you identify yourself and you get barometer readings of who you are and where you are, just like I do. And when key people in our life, the Lord adds them to our life, are expressive. Anything good happens to them. They 
Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. That either makes us withdraw or gravitate to it based on the condition of our heart. And we can, listen, we've got, all of us got wide paintbrushes. We can paint it any way we want to paint it to make it say what we want to say. But when we're more comfortable with people that withhold praise than we are with the one that gives it, and we use the disclaimer, I don't like how they gave it. Do you think anybody in heaven is buying that? Do you really think anyone in heaven is buying that? That we would elevate the one that withholds praise and be more comfortable with them than the one who might not offer it my way. I'm just going to go ahead and throw the blanket over all of you. I want to be around you if you love him and if you're thankful to him. I love Mama Sheila's whoop when I'm preaching. Woo! I'm like, yes! Why would they do that? Her spirit man says, I heard something. There's a thank you in there that's generated. Why would I... Well, birds of a feather. Why would I be more comfortable with the person that takes credit for their successes than the one that gives glory to God? Because I want to take credit for my successes. Why would I be more comfortable with the one that uh, boasts about their new car that they got instead of the one that says, look what the Lord gave me? Because we're more man-centered than God-centered. Something in us ought to leap when we hear another spirit saying, Anything that magnifies, extols, appreciates, recognizes the goodness of God. Something in your soul ought to leap. When Mary come to see Elizabeth, Mary was pregnant with Jesus and Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. And all Mary did was said, greetings. And a baby jumped in her womb, just jumped over I want to hang around people that make what's in my heart jump. I want to hang around people that their hello or glory to God makes something in my spirit move. Evil communications, relationships, corrupt good manners, the Bible said. That's the King James. And what it really means is this. Environment is everything to you. I want to hang around people that their catchphrases Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I'll tell you one of the little small things that's just, it's not in my notes. One of the hundreds of reasons I've learned to love my wife is one of the things that I realized she did early on. Uh, my favorite songs almost all have the phrase, thank you, Lord, in it. There's something about that to me. It's like an identifying, thank you, Lord. I, I say it all during the day. Oh, thank you, Lord. I sit in front of a rack of ribs. And <laughs> guys, stop praying for the Lord to bless it to the nourishment of your body. It's ribs. You know what I'm saying? It's ribs. Ribs and fries. Bless it to the, ain't no nur nur nourishment in it. It's just good. And I'll, I'll sit in front of it, or my buddy Gene Kernigan will take me to lunch. We get fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, uh, fried squirrel, all carbs, you know, with cornbread, you know. And he'll allow me to pray sometimes, and I'll just go, mm, thank you, Lord. <laughs> that's, that's all, it just comes out, thank you, Lord. And I remember early on in our marriage, I'd be in the car, and I would just say little stuff in front of her like I would by myself. i go, oh, thank you, Lord, for my car. And she'll just echo, she'll go, thank you, Lord. 
I like that. And I know that sounds small to you, but any little thing, you know, like something unexpected will come your way and I'll be in the house, in the other room, or a a good phone call will come and I'll hang it up and I'll go, oh, thank you, Lord. And I'll hear in the other room, you know, doing dishes. Thank you, Lord. Because there's the dynamic, even in our home, what's supposed to happen in the temple of God. He said, in the congregation of the righteous, I will bless the Lord. Will you bless the Lord with me? You see, it's kinetic and we're not trying to, the goal of coming together is not to see how loud you can get it or how everybody doing the same thing. It's that how we can get something out of everybody, some expression. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come, let's exalt his name together. I'm, the older I get, I'm, I'm catching that little thing that old people get. Old people don't care. Old people will tell you the truth. They'll tell you the truth. Don't walk in a room with your grandparents. Does my butt look big in this to you? Yes. They'll tell you the truth. And I'm getting to the place. If you're not excited about him, I'm not real excited about you. Seriously, because I am on a journey to get there and I don't want to have to worry about what I'm going to do when I get there. I want to be very well practiced and very well rehearsed and I want to know at the first chord I'm home and I'm ready to make his praise glorious. That's my introduction. What time is it? Oh, mercy. I'm going to let you out on time, though, because one of my favorite verses is, Blessed is the man that's short-winded, for he shall be heard again. That's, it works that way. Number one, how is praise created and what are its components? Praise is a matter of life. Psalms 150, verse 6, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you're breathing, praise the Lord. And a carnal person would say, that's silly, of course, we're all breathing. Not spiritually, you're not. You know why some of us withhold praise? We have a name that we're living, but we're dead. Because if you have breath, your spirit longs to, wants to. Now, there's always going to be those among us that are louder than others and those of us that are more expressive God didn't say make sure you're the loudest in the bunch he said if you're breathing bless the Lord give praise to the Lord spiritual breath produces praise spiritual breath produces praise it's a matter of being alive praise is a matter a matter of spiritual vision It's occupied with who God is. If I see him, praise will come out of me. When I see sunsets, it's not, oh, that's beautiful. It's, oh, Lord, you make all things like this so beautiful. When you recognize God, praise flows forth. When we don't see God in the provision, when we don't see God in the blessing, when we don't see God in nature, it becomes old hat to us. It's just a sunset. I remember one time at the beach, 
watching an older man. He was probably in his 80s, I would guess. And he, he walked out to the lip of the ocean and rolled, he'd rolled his pants up. And his daughter, I presume, walked him out there and he just stood. He stood and the water was about shin high and the waves were hitting him. And he was perfectly composed. And the tears just poured down his face. And this is another way Kelly and I are very different. I want to know what's going on. Now, we're, she wants to too, but she ain't going to ask. That's the difference. But you know when I get back, she's going to ask me. Fellas, you know what I'm talking about? She won't be the one that asks. Yeah, but I get back. What'd they say? Oh, nothing. Yeah, you don't want to be known as that guy, but you want to know what that guy knows. I know the deal. So I just walked up. I waited for a moment, and he just cried, and I walked up, and I said, Hey, is this his first time? She said, He's never seen the ocean. And here's a believer later on to find out. He's not weeping because his shins are wet. His spirit man was having a dialogue with God. Glory to God. Glory to God. The waves, the breaking of the waves, speak your name. We don't praise because we don't see the Lord. If we don't praise, we're not seeing Him. I walked into uh, the hospital where Olivia and Isabel was born. I didn't plan on anything. I'd never done this. I didn't know what to do. And they're in the little NICU. And I walked in. And I walked up to her bed and I got to the foot of her bed and God's spirit was so strong in me because I was at a moment. Scheduled for an unaware son that not only was he going to heal my life, but he was going to fill my life. God always does more than you ask him. (laughs) Always more than you ask him. It may not be when you asked, but wait to the end of the righteous man. He's blessed. So I go to the foot of this bed and I'm overcome with the fact that I'm walking in the room with a beautiful, godly woman by my side and two little girls that are going to call me daddy. And my hands go up just like this. And I wasn't loud. And I began to praise and prophesy and cut covenant at the same time. I began to tell her, I'll always love you and I'll be the covering of your home. And I promise to be there for you as long as I live. God, I bless you and I thank you. And all these things started coming out, blended together. And it was under my breath. I didn't come in and, you know, fall out and do all that stuff that people think. They said, the Lord, the Lord didn't make me do that. My spirit had to do that. <laughs> and the lady walked up and was, Kelly, is he okay? Oh, he's good. He's fine. And just crying and praying. And I walked up to the bed. And I was aware that I wasn't receiving a child. The Lord had gave me a child. You see the difference? And by seeing him, not the child, seeing him, praise came forth. Who am I, O Lord, that you would be so rich to me and give me these things? Praise is a matter of gratitude. It focuses on what God has done. If there's anything more obnoxious than an ungrateful child, it's an ungrateful adult. 
because they're childish. My spiritual life dries up when I take the approach. Now, we'd never say it. We're good Pharisees. We just think it. When I take the approach of what have you done for me lately? When I could walk through this church and pick out anybody in this place and give you a microphone and say, tell me what the Lord's done for you. It would take time. Some of us takes a while to Rolodex and get it all going. But they'd have to talk all night, all day, all night, all day and all night. Our problem is not that God is not active. Our problem is that we have not been reactive in thanking the Lord for all that he's done for us. Praise is a matter of discipleship. It's spontaneous. It's reflexive. But it's also a matter of my will. God expects it. Praise the Lord. So discipleship says, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. David wrote it in the Psalms. He said, I will bless the Lord. And then in another place, he wrote, I will bless the Lord three times. I will bless him in my early rising in the morning. I will bless him at noonday. And I will bless him as the sun goes down. Then later on, as David matured, he wrote another psalm. He said, seven times a day will I bless the Lord. He mentioned those three, somewhere in midday, mid-morning, mid-afternoon, before supper, after supper. And if I can't sleep, I'll walk the floor and I'll bless the Lord. That wasn't good enough. He later rose, wrote, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And I will say of the Lord, all these wonderful, glorious expressions. It's a sign of discipleship and maturity. Be careful of these Christians that are so deep and polished that their, their words are always cut and paste phrases trying to impress you. We are to be ch childlike, not childish, but childlike in our praise. Joyful, spontaneous, and as, as, as we will, as we intend in some churches, God, I hope it's never said of you, uh, uh, by you in this church, but some churches think that the more organized you can get it, it's better. Maturity is not the limiting of the expression. It's the unleashing of the expression. Now, I know, listen, I've been raised in Pentecostal charismatic circles. You think it's loud in this church? Uh-uh. We have one person jump up and say, well, what about that Sunday? What about you? We need to do something. Now, darling, wildfire is not the problem. It's no fire that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. And if you're in a church, you know, you have somebody that come up and they, let's say you're in a song and they just throw their hands up and they begin to just kind of wail and come to an altar, a visitor or a, some a Sadducee would, would hmm, Drawing all that attention to themselves. I never. We believe you. <laughs> they could be drawing attention to themselves. Yes, they could. They could be someone whose daughter was locked up in lesbianism for seven years and came to know the Lord last night at their dining room table and their soul didn't have anywhere else to go but the temple. And it didn't fit in the service and it didn't fit in the song and it wasn't at the right place. And while you're talking about her in Burger King, heaven says, make his praise glorious. Yeah. 
So what's the balance? We as leadership, we have to determine if someone's doing that. If someone's drawing attention to themselves and in humility, we'll go and say, look, we can't disrupt other people's expressions just so you can express it. But if you have any sense of leadership, you can understand the difference between a grateful woman who is gushing forth and a performer. Performers don't like me. I generally talk to them and the Lord leads them somewhere else. I don't know how it works out that way. Let me tell you about maturity. Maturity is not making sure you look good. Maturity is making sure that God feels good. There's a day coming very soon and I'm already planning for it. Where I'm going to sit in the floor of our downstairs room to a kitchen set and tea and we're going to play dress up and make up. And daddy's going to have lipstick running all half of his eye, in his ear, a boa, powder, mama shoot. I'm going to have all of it on and Kelly's going to ride it like a pony. She, oh, isn't daddy pretty today? You know, <laughs> We're going to do all of that. And to a casual eye, if you just take a picture, just a picture out of context, Put it on Facebook. This is our pastor. <laughs> what? I know why they're praying on Sundays now. I know what's going on. But in context, you understand that the key issue here is not that I am perceived as mature. Maturity is not not participating. Maturity is making sure the focus of my attention understands their value and their worth so when I come to church and you think my hands lifting and my jumping up and down and my twirling is silly it may be silly to you but I'm not playing house with you I come to tell him you could have left me in it undone without hope and without God and this side of the cross you could have let it kill me swallow me up I am one may I testify a moment separate from my sermon I am one that shouldn't have made it I am one they said couldn't have made it I am the one who almost had a nervous breakdown I'm the one that lost 50 pounds I'm the one who the doctor said you could drop dead in any moment I'm the one that did not know, not could he finish pastoring, is he even going to finish the race? And God, by his grace, preserved me. And I'm going to use your limited expression. Ain't happening, baby. Ain't happening. Now, I'm not the object of the story. Many of you have stories that would eclipse mine and drown it out. And you have reserved and limited your praise based on the people on your row. With all due respect, what happened to you? All he's done for us. All he's done for us. We need to have some Sundays where, uh, excuse me, I'm just going to move. And when they ask you, tell them. Why? This row is not conducive to my praise. <laughs> no offense. No offense. Oh, Brother John, that's just, that's ridiculous. May I give you chapter and verse? He who is forgiven much, loves much. He who's brought out of much, thanks much. I'm just saying. That ought to be in Bible. I'm just saying. 
Praise is a matter of truth. Praise is occupied with what is right. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Don't pay your Georgia power bill. Just, I don't believe in it no more. I'm confessing that I don't owe you. <laughs> They'll send you a notice. I'm sure that you probably just forgot. But this is a friendly reminder. I like, at least people that word it, this is a friendly reminder that you've not paid your bill. And so the next bill, you go, how can it be $500? Well, it's two and three months. And then you'll get a bill that says, we have a day scheduled that if you don't do something about your balance, it's going to be cold in your house. How can you say that? Because we are the power company. And you owe us. God doesn't say for everything I do, you owe me for that. What he said is there's glory due my name and it's past due. It's past due. And I venture to say some of us, he has turned some of his best away from us because we have not offered praise for that which is behind us. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. I don't have to have the right song playing. Gratitude is a matter of spiritual perception. Seeing God, seeing what he's done, seeing his works, seeing his grace. And if there, and, and the Lord doesn't say, it, it's not like he's, uh, I do something, you do something. I do something, you do something. It's more a reasoning. It's like, where, where are the other nine? Didn't I heal nine more? You see, it's not, well, I'm going to take it back because you didn't thank me. But the one that came back to thank him didn't just get healed. He got whole. And there's a wholeness that comes to your soul when you offer God verbal. Let me just say this too. Praise is not meditational. And there is a place for meditation. Meditate on the scriptures. Contemplative prayer where you sit and just think about the Lord with soft music playing. These are two totally different things. You hear praise and worship together and we think it's one word. No. <laughs> They're not even similar. The God elements, two totally different things. I can worship him and never open my mouth. I can weep before him and extend my arms and commune with God in my heart. But Unoffered praise, unspoken praise is only an opinion. And God didn't say, give opinions to me. Praise ye the Lord. What will it take for you to turn up the praise quotient to your family and friends and coworkers? See, I don't just praise the Lord directly. I praise him indirectly. And you know, if we do this, we're going to be grouped together with the weird people. I'm good with that. Man, I'm so proud of your promotion. You know what, man? I worked hard for this. I did. I, I was telling Katie how proud I am for her finishing her school. And the Lord didn't do her studying for her. She did it. But the Lord gave her the capacity to understand. He gave her the opportunity to go. He gave her the surrounding of family and friends that have helped her through it. And when she gets the, man, that's wonderful. What a success. It was very hard, but the Lord's been so gracious to me. Look what doors he's opened. See, that gives the Lord praise for those things. What is your praise quotient? 
How often do you thank him verbally? And how often do you bless him horizontally to other people? See, we can take the name of God out of the phrase and draw less heat. I'll be sharing my testimony to some degree. I'll, I'll meet people that are not Christ followers and they'll be talking about, you know, I've been dry for eight years or seven years. And I tell them, I said, 20, 27 years now. They go, wow, that's, incre that's incredible. That's great. I said, yeah, but I didn't just decide to quit. And I tell them my salvation story. And I tell them about the spirit of God that abides in me. And I said, I appreciate support groups, but support groups didn't deliver me and... Uh, my will and, my, you know, my willpower, willpower don't work. Not long term. Check with me on that willpower, decisions, all that. I said, it's the Lord that delivered me from this. And that's when they go, oh, so how long have you been a Christian? Since I was 24, I'm 51. Oh, so, so what do you do? I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. Oh. Where are you pastor? Oh, at Christ Chapel. Where's that at? It's over there by Bass Pro Shops. Oh, I know where that is. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what kind of church are y'all? Oh, we're a Pentecostal church. Oh. <laughs> so do you, do, do, do you talk in tongues? You do that stuff? Oh, I do almost every day. Oh, yeah, well. Oh, okay, okay. But see, one of my forms of praise is I will not be embarrassed of you in any company at any time for any reason. And if you don't like the fact that I'm married to her, you, are, you and me are disconnected. And if you think for a moment that I would rather have your nod of approval than the smile of my king, you've lost your mind. One of the way we praise him is we praise him. We extol we talk about him to others. Now, in the workplace, you have to be very careful. You can't just come in with your King James Bible on the dolly, coming in to, to work. You know, somebody says, what's your name? Jesus is my, no, I didn't ask you that. Name, name. There's a balance to that. Listen, you know how you magnify God at work? Be the best employee in your area. Now, having said that, when you go to break or after break or at lunch, you're on your time. You sit at a group, a table where no one else is praying. You don't have to go, hey, 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 we're giving thanks. Everybody in here is a hoodlum and you're going to make them all pray. That ain't going to work. No. How do I bless the Lord? I don't take over. They just start eating. I just bow my head. And enough for them to know that I'm not just doing some higher power or some eye in the sky. Thank you, Lord, for my food today. I'm very grateful, Lord. Amen. Praising him, acknowledging, extolling him. I'll give you this, and we're going to give you one more opportunity to express praise. Number two, two of four. See, I'm, getting, I'm letting you out good. Two of four. I want to just give you something to chew on, those of you that are students of the Word of God, to draw a, a connection between Judah, which means praise, and the praise of the believer. Now, you can't build a doctrine on types. If you're taking notes, write this down. You don't build doctrines on types, but there are types that have plenty to teach you about your faith. The name Judah was given to Leah's fourth son, which she said now, uh, she named him praise. I will praise the Lord because this is going to make my husband love me more. Because Jacob loved Rachel and God had granted Leah 
uh, her fourth son, and when they named him Judah, which means praised. But from the moment of his birth, God made a distinction between Judah and all the other children. It's not that Judah was the best. So don't, don't take it out of context, but a distinction. You can say God had a special distinction for Levi, the priesthood. God had a distinction for Joseph and Jacob and their distinctions between sons uh, in the Bible and in the history of Israel. But there was a distinction of Judah that is very significant. And I want to give these to you for just the next few moments. It says in Psalms 114 verse 2, if you're taking notes, Israel was his dominion, but Judah was his sanctuary. Which means to say that in the national, the nation of Israel, God made his abode with his people. But Judah was his sanctuary, not just an abode, but a sanctuary, a personal place, a place of closer connectivity, a place of greater glory. And among the people of God, all of us abide with him, but he makes the praisers his sanctuary. It's just a type there. He singled it out and said, that's a place of greater connectivity. It says in Psalm 76, 1, in Israel, God is great, but in Judah, he is known. In Israel, God is great. At Christ's chapel, the name of the Lord is great, but for the praisers, he's known. He's known at a level differently than what Pastor John is saying, what the worship team is singing, what we learned in Sunday school. They have their own revelational schedule of who God is as they praise God's name is great in this house, but among the praisers, you know him. You know him at a different level than I'm preaching. You have experiences and examples and intuitive uh, interactions with him that transcend my teaching. We know the Lord at a deeper level. In Isaiah 44, it said, delivered from captivity, Israel would once again be inhabited, but Judah would be rebuilt. And again, don't make a doctrine out of this, but everything was written aforetime for our learning. So think of this. When the nation of Israel went into captivity, God said, I'm going to free you all, but I'm going to build Judah. There are special things that God does in the life of praisers. He doesn't just restore us back to land. He builds us up in the land. He secures our foundations. He gives us residences and addresses in his kingdom. Praising people. God himself is the architect of their life. I want the Lord to build my home. I want him to build my baby's future. I, he cares for all, but he builds. He builds Judah. Joel 3, and it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine, the hills shall flow with milk, but all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters. Praising people always have an expression from heaven down in their life. Rivers flow, even in times of drought. All of us experience depression. All of us experience bad days. But those of you that habitually praise the Lord, your river never runs dry. It may run low. But it never runs dry. 
Zechariah 2 said, God will once again choose Jerusalem, but Judah shall be his portion. Look at all these distinctions. In the restoration of Israel, once again, God is going to, Zechariah 2, choose Jerusalem, but Judah shall be his portion. Do you know what that means? And I'm not making light of it. I'm trying to give you an example. Okay, so Kelly and I and uh, Hub and Stacy go to Outback a lot. That's our thing when we go. And, you know, uh, Stacy always gets the Alice Springs chicken and she takes it home. She don't eat it. She eats on Hub's plate and takes hers home. I don't understand it, but that's part of it. She eats something. She, she don't eat it all. We get several appetizers. We get two or three cheese fries. Don't judge me. Two or three cheese fries, a blooming onion, and then I just get like a kid's burger. Or sometimes I don't even order. And Kelly gets a very lean steak with the green beans. So, what does this have to do with your sermon? I'm getting there. Just wait. Oftentimes they'll come to take my order. And so we've got two cheese fries and a blooming onion. And right in front of me is the blooming onion. That's my, I mean, right in front of me is the cheese fries. That's my portion. I could have anything on that menu. That's about as close as I can explain it to you. Loved all of us. But the Lord wants to sit you in front of him. Because you're grateful. And because you're vocal. And in all the restaurant. What would it mean to you if you knew that God wanted you seated right in front of him? He doesn't choose us based on giftings. Because that wouldn't be fair. If we can't, you know, lead worship like Leanne or sing like Eden or teach the Bible. If we can't, then we can't match up. But we're all even when it comes to opportunities to be grateful and praise. What would it mean to your life if the Lord sat you closer to him and chose you out of the called out? And said, I want to be near to you. I like what I hear from you. Psalms 108 says, Judah is God's scepter. In the same way, King Xerxes held his scepter out over Esther and granted her not just, granted her to be able to still continue to live, but invited her into his chamber. chamber. Judah is God's scepter. Praise is the thing that grants us access to God in ways that we might not otherwise get. Praise, it's not that God is some egomaniac it's that there's a spiritual dynamic that happens when we receive grace fully and respond wholly back to him. What if you could see in the spirit realm? What, what, what if you could see that God put a scepter in the hand of one of his archangels, Katrina, and went over and said, raise it over her in grief's house. What is that for? She and he just won't stop thanking me. And I'm opening doors that were not opened heretofore. See, we want miracles under the shaking hand of an evangelist screaming. And what we need is God to put his scepter over our life and say, I like that. I like them. You can have the hands of people trying to bless me. And not that we're above it. Hey, pray for me anytime you want. But God can bless you and step through and past everybody else. 
Judah is his scepter. And there's significance there. If our worship team would come up, please. King David ruled over Judah seven years before he was king over all of Israel. Y'all stay with me. King David ruled over Judah seven years before he ruled over all of Israel. And it's the same today. There are those of us who recognize God and praise him accordingly. And we come under his kingly rule years before other believers do. Do you follow me? David, a type of the Lord Jesus to come. David, the king of the national Israel. God, the king over Israel and the earth and the church. David ruled over praisers before he ever ruled over the people. So if any part of this type is true, then God is ruling over some of your lives years before he rules over someone else. He starts with praisers. I'll give you this before I'm done. Oh, Lord, I want you to rule in our house. When Joseph was thrown into the pit and his brothers, and this again, it's not a perfect type, but there's something here. There's something here. They're going to kill him because his father, he was his father's favorite. He'd come from Rachel and, you know, he's just, was, they just despised him and they were going to put him to death. And Judah came and said, let's don't kill him. Now, Judah still was part of it, so he wasn't a great guy, but he said, let's don't kill him. We can sell him and tell daddy he died. Okay, so we're not attributing this is a great deed for Judah or praisers. But look under the surface. Praise pulled him out. You have the opportunity to pull not only yourself out, but others through praise. I don't believe that. Scripture. And the four men tore the roof off the house and lowered the paralytic down. There's no record of that man ever asking God one thing. And Jesus, seeing their faith, spoke to him, your sins are forgiven you. Get up and walk. Looking at them. So what were they doing? Their countenance was... See, praise is vocal, but it's not limited to vocal. So what about a mute, someone with no tongue? They can't say anything. But you look at their countenance when you're preaching and they're like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that old person that gets their cane and stands up and everybody else is young and sitting there staring with their arms folded. I'd love one or two. I've seen it for an old person. Would you praise him for me if you ain't going to praise him for yourself? Move that thing. Work it. Work it. You have the capacity. So whatever you're in, Judah can get you out. Whatever you're in, look to praise. Look to praise. I can't do nothing about this pit I'm in, but I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And God hears it. What would you say, John? I said, I have no hope, no help, and nobody but you. But when I think about how good you've been to me, I just want to thank you that in it all and through it all, you've been my answer. You've been my source. You've been my strength. And it's almost as if God said, if he keeps this up, 
I'm going I'm going to do something. Why wouldn't he do it before? Because he's bringing the character out. Some of you are stuck because you've looked to Reuben, you looked to Gad, Manasseh, and all these other places. And if you'd look to praise, he'll pull you out of that hole and establish your feet once again. We're going to take the journey for the next two or three weeks. We're just going to evaluate our life. As you leave today, I just want you to dialogue with the Lord on this one thing. You're a praiser, whether you want to be or not. You're either a good one or a bad one. And we got to make his praise glorious. So let's take this journey together. We're going to establish who God's worth is through our praise and our worship. Worth-ship. How much you're worth this. And I'm telling you. Did you notice a difference here when we came in this morning? One change of heart. The vast majority of you came ready. And because you were ready, it happened. I can't wait to see what this place is going to look like. Would you stand with us? We'll give you one more chance to sing one song. We started with it. And now we're going to finish with it. With a heart full of praise and focus on the Lord. Sing this together. Oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds I hands have made, I see the stars, I hear.
Praise the Lord. I want to invite you again today, five to six, one hour, praying for nothing and no one but this local church. Years ago, I told the Lord that I've never seen revival in my life. I haven't. I've seen churches that said we're having it and they had extended services, but I've never personally seen it. And I felt like in 95, the Lord told me that the first place you'd ever see it's your church. It'll be slow coming and slow leaving. I sure would love to see it. And I know you would too. And we're going to selfishly, tonight, we're just going to pray for this local expression. It's kind of like, have your will or bust, Lord, you know? I just believe he's going to grant it. I just, I just do. And I want us to do it the right way. For the right reasons. And that he wouldn't look down upon this local church and feel like he created it in vain. But he said, that, those there, that's my portion. And that's not selfish to ask. I want us to be his portion. Amen. I'm going to ask my wife to come pray. Kelly, will you come pray over us? Just please have your way in us, Lord God. Our only hope is you, Lord God. Our only hope for change, our only hope for surviving things that we can't possibly survive, our only hope for life, our only hope for abundance, Lord God, our only hope for change, Lord God. Yes. You are the author of everything good in us. You are the author of everything good in this church, Lord God. And I just so desire, Lord God, and I know I echo the hearts of others, but Lord, I just so desire, Lord God, for your presence to just be so real in this place that people would walk in our doors for soccer or events or a worship service, Lord God, and that you would so inhabit this place and you would so inhabit the praise of your people, Lord God, that people would feel like there is something different when they walk in our doors. Yes, Not because of us, Lord, but because of you, Lord God. And we just need you so desperately, Lord God. And thank you, Lord God, that we may not know what revival looks like, Lord God. But I do believe that we will get to see it, Lord yes, God. Lord. And it will just shout your fame. And Lord, we love you today. We thank you um, for your son, Jesus Christ, that saved us, who's our only hope, Lord God. And we just bless you and praise you and thank you. Amen. See you tonight, 5 o'clock. Make his praise glorious. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.